following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. I have a problem every year around MLK Day because the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for some reason has been treated as America's civil rights mascot. On this day, you'll have folks who would have never in their life marched with, agreed with, voted with anything he believed in. One of the biggest bigots in the United States Congress, he had the audacity to send out a Dr. King quote. The march has begun. Hello and good evening. I'm your host and producer, Sharon Eaton Hinton, here for another, another version, another edition, another session, a special edition of On Another Level with my co-host, Edwin Sumter. Mr. Something Something himself is going to be here with me. He brought this amazing topic to me that's current, more current than you think. And even though there was a local news station that was kind of broadcast related that did a little piece and Neighborhood Network News, thank you, Faith, um, that she did a piece on it. We're going to do a whole hour on it tonight. I've got some fantastic guests. We're talking about the crisis in the black churches in Boston. This is On Another Level. Stay with us. Christianity and slavery were long intertwined. While masters believed that their religion could be used to pacify their slaves, African-Americans transformed Christianity and created a new culture that would serve as the foundation of their freedom struggle. The oldest independent African-American denomination is the African Methodist Episcopal Church, founded in Philadelphia in 1794 by Richard Allen, the formerly enslaved black man who purchased his own freedom. Black religious leaders such as Reverend Allen took a strong abolitionist stance, even helping slaves escape through the Underground Railroad. During the Civil War, some served as army chaplains, and once the war ended, many mobilized black political participation. Some even held public office. The black church provided leadership opportunities for men and women who by and large were in subservient positions in the workforce. And so all of these preachers doing work in the black church have been critical to giving black people a space to envision that a different world is possible. The late 1800s saw a dramatic proliferation of black churches. And the church remained central to black life through the 20th century, particularly at the height of the civil rights movement. In the 1960s, the church is playing a much more overtly militant and political role in terms of trying to organize people to defeat Jim Crow and racism and also to promote economic equality. The tradition of black religious leaders shepherding the freedom struggle reached its pinnacle, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King fused religion, nonviolent resistance, and the prophetic tradition to challenge Jim Crow. 
while invoking the musical legacy of the spirituals that enslaved African-Americans had created. Today, the black church remains a fundamentally important institution in the black community. The black church has had to be everything to black people because American society was unwilling to do so. Today, we don't need the church to do the same things for us, but do I think the church is still a relevant institution? Absolutely. It is the place that you can come and rebuild your spirit after you deal with the spiritual assault on black life that many African-Americans experience because of enduring histories of racism and discrimination. Thank you, Dr. Henry Louis Gates, Jr. And thank you for giving us permission to use that two minutes. Hopefully that two minutes gave you an idea of the importance of this show that we have tonight. We're not gonna be taking any phone calls, but we do want you to get a pen and paper or however way you take notes, because there's information that we will give you because we need you to do something. When my guests come here and give you this information, there are three of them. Actually, one is a co-host, there's two guests. Edwin Sumter, good evening. Good evening, Sharon. Activist, fellow activist, <laughs> fellow troublemaker, <laughs> and also uh, Queen Pamela King, because you know, <laughs> we're queens and kings, right? And she's not that Pamela King. She's not Mel King's, although, you know, thank you, slavery. She might be one of the kings, who knows? <laughs> but Miss Pamela King, who is a board trustee of Spirit and Truth Church, in Dorchester, if you're from Boston. And we also have Ms. Trepetta Simmons. Good evening and mm -hmm. welcome. And she is the assistant clerk? Yes. Assistant clerk of the Spirit and, and Truth Church in yes. Dorchester, which is still a church, mm. but you're fighting for your church. And just to put it in context of what is happening, not just to your church, because mm. that's happening now, but there's black churches. You know, when I think about it, black churches have been in assault, under assault for the last 400 something odd years. But most recently in Boston, Ed, tell us what you know about. Yeah. Well, good, good evening, everybody. Good evening, Boston. And Sharon, you're right. This is a very special episode of, uh, on another level because through investigative reporting, and by the way, thank you for, so much for doing this show, six black churches in our community are, I, for lack of a better word, under attack in that they are up against it, trying to not be foreclosed, trying to not be sold. And instead of you and I talking about it, we're really going to hear from two folks who are right in the middle of all of this. Their church, Truth and Spirit Church, right on Blue Hill Avenue across from Franklin Park. If you want to know exactly what we're talking about, right there on that corner where Satchers is. This is the church we're talking about. These two ladies are going through something right now, doing all they can to save their church. And as I mentioned, no less than six churches in our community are going through trials and tribulations right now. So it's something that's been out there. But as in that piece we just saw, that was excellent. Somebody said at one time, the black church was everything to black people. And if you think gentrification is a problem, where we're losing residents in our neighborhood, believe me, losing buildings, losing the church, losing the backbone of our community is also something we need to pay attention to. So what we've done is we've asked these two brave ladies to come up here and tell us about, from firsthand knowledge, what they're going through. And it really is a very sad story. As I wrote on Facebook, it almost seems like, for lack of a better word, it's going to take a miracle mm -hmm. to help some of these churches and what they're up against. But by getting this information out, by you all watching and taking down information, and by the way, at the end, you'll, you'll get a phone number. If you have some advice, if you want to give a hand, no matter what's going on in Boston, when it comes to our community, 
y'all may have arrived in different ships, but we're in the same boat now. Now, there's a clip that you guys have actually let me know about, and I team, we're about to, we're about to play this clip because it gives a comprehensive story Absolutely. about what you're just talking about. So if you are interested, and you should be, because this is your community, get some notes down, yeah. because there's information in this clip, and there's information these young queens are gonna give you That's right. So uh, what, what, about what you can do. So thank you, and this roll the I-team clip. Yep. Well, new at six, some Boston residents are on a crusade to save the city's religious heritage. Yeah, WBZ spent months stalking with church members and really digging into documents showing a troubling pattern. Churches closing at a concerning rate. The I-team's Christina Hager shows us how it's changing the face of a neighborhood. behind crumbling bricks and graffiti. We're on what should be black-owned Blue Hill Avenue. A fight to save religion, as people here know it. Pamela King locked out of the church she's been trying to revive. They want to put luxury condos here and move the people out of the community. What would that do it to would, you? And what it would do to me, it would break my heart. You never said that with us. Her group approached the WBZI team about their struggles to save the Spirit and Truth Baptist Church, formerly New Fellowship, in this building along with the historic Franklin Theater. We're talking about the one thing that we are not going to give up. We're not going to give up our relationship with God. An arson here 14 years ago ignited a battle between the church board and lead pastor over who legally owns it. Code violations went ignored. A judge appointed a receiver. So King and other church members pinned their prayers on this offer to rescue it for $1.7 million. To buy this church, to um, renovate the buildings. Instead, the I-team has learned the Harvard Street Neighborhood Health Center is buying the property to build affordable housing. Not the luxury condos King had feared, but not a church either. We all should be back in our church. Less than a mile down Blue Hill Avenue, a similar battle over the neglected Mount Calvary Church. My kids were all christened here. I got married here. Rosalind Warnham fought to get it designated a Boston landmark. It, too, went into receivership, and litigation is ongoing to determine which entity owns the property. A lot of division. Warnham's local church board versus the national organization trying to assume ownership and possibly sell. The North Carolina-based Mount Calvary Holy Church of America sent the I-team a statement saying our future plans regarding the sanctuary have yet to be determined. It, it breaks our heart to drive by and see this, to not be in our church the way we were. The I-team dug up dozens of church building violations in Boston's predominantly black neighborhoods over the last 10 years. Rear of building is open to the elements, soffit blown off, front stairs have deteriorated. There's a huge loss every time we lose a church. Berkeley College of Music's Dr. Emmett Price says when churches close, their neighborhoods lose more than a house of prayer. They run summer programs. They have tutoring programs. Advocacy in terms of local voting, in terms of health care. That's a powerful word, church. 
Pastor Joe Swilly with yet another crusade to save a Blue Hill Avenue church. It's starting to sound all too familiar. Half of the Bethlehem Healing Temple was demolished. On the other side, an entrance collapsed under a hollow sidewalk. If someone came by and offered you a lot of money, would you consider selling this property? No, we're not going to sell. We're going to tear down and rebuild. And so now you have churches losing their buildings because they can no longer afford to keep up with the rate of inflation as well as the economic driver there. It's a huge loss. A loss in a changing neighborhood that some say needs a miracle. We dug into the Secretary of State's records and found there is no hard data on how many churches have closed under similar circumstances. But church leaders say the anecdotal evidence is overwhelming and they hope politicians hear their cry to preserve Boston's religious heritage. For the I-Team, Christina Hager, WBZ News. Thank you, Christina Hager and the I-Team. CBS News, that was, um, that was a couple of months ago that they actually did that piece. But for those of us who live in this neighborhood, we've seen a lot of churches get moved, black churches. We're talking about black churches. Can we talk about black churches? Hallelujah. <laughs> in the Boston community. Um, I am, full disclosure, Christian, go to a black church, probably the largest black church um, in Boston, Jubilee Christian. What's up? And um, Pastor Matt and Pastor Mona. Um, and I understand the power yeah. of the black church. I'm also old enough to remember that the black church was the place to organize in the 60s in civil rights. And so um, during slavery, for y'all that don't know, you about to know, that was the only place that more than one black person could be other than in the cotton fields or in the workforce where you weren't going to get beat or you didn't have to have a pass or whatever. But it was always highly politicized and highly political over 400 years in this country. That was the place that we could organize. That was the place we could fundraise. That was the place we could come and gather together. That is also the place and places across the country. If you remember not too long ago, Mother Emanuel Church, where a young white boy came in and mm. worshiped with black people for an hour before he gunned down 13 people. So it's a problem. Um, I don't remember, and I'm not, nor am I supporting that happening in Boston. We haven't had to deal with that. But the assault that is happening is still on that institution and undermining that institution in the black community. So I want to welcome back my guests, Ms. Trapetta, Ms. Pamela, and Mr. Sir Edwin. Hello. I like that sound, <laughs> Sir Edwin Sir, Sumter. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. And you also, I mean, your work with the New Democracy Coalition, we got to give a big shout yeah, out for Kevin Peterson, yeah. reclaiming yeah. these spaces for Absolutely. black and indigenous people. Mm -hmm. The fight for Faneuil Hall still right. goes on. We have to give a shout out to Siddiqui Cambone, renaming Nubian that, Square, that and it shot. took so long, there's Absolutely. hardly any Nubians there anymore. But it but, is still named Nubian right. Square, right? That's right. So tell me about the fight from yeah. your perspective and how this came to your sure. attention, because you seem mm -hmm. like you're always fighting. Well, you were helping me with the returning citizens and helping me with <laughs> Stacey Borden and you've been helping me for a long period of time but you've been fighting for a long period of time yeah. why is this fight important and how did they come to you well I'll tell you what's funny is because of the success of change the name where the Boston City Council did agree that 10 to 3 vote that the name should be changed because the city of Boston apologized for its role in the transatlantic slavery movement 
because those things happen, if you would have told me 40 years ago, 30 years ago, those things were actually passed in the Boston City Council, I would have mm. said you're crazy. But seeing that those things happen does prove that things can change. Mm. So when I first heard of this story, I was at a meeting and Ms. King told the story of what was going on with this church. I was, I think the word I used was I was appalled. Now I've always heard, and by the way, full disclosure, unlike the three of you, I do not go to church every Sunday. I'm saying that because I'm sure there's people watching who may not as well. I'm however, sure I went every Sunday. I how, thought it was a member. Or, however, <laughs> however, I know this. Whether you've got, you go to church every Sunday or you haven't gone to church regularly since I did when I was a little boy going to 12th Baptist Church, we know one thing. The black church in our community, whether you go or not, is truly the backbone of our community. Mm. When you went to 12 Baptist, Reverend Haynes was Reverend still there, Haynes right? Reverend Haynes was there. This is going back to 19 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Shout out. It does, take, uh, it does take seeing that things can happen to believe that things will happen. Mm. And these two ladies, Chapetta Simmons, Pamela King, I just want you to know, you're going to tell the story of what's happening from the inside out and mm. let us hear what happens and what happens, what's been happening, what you're going through. But as I mentioned, miracles do happen, change does happen, but you do need help. And I hope those of you who are watching and hear their story as we ask them questions, you also have questions you want to ask, you can give them a call later on and get more information. But it just isn't this one church. There's at least a half a dozen churches that are going through this. And before I ease out of this part of the conversation, I just want to say one other thing. Even somewhere like the Harriet Tubman House. Mm. If you House. would have told me mm. that that would have just been wiped off the map and nothing left in its place. And I'm saying that because as we're losing these churches, nothing is there to replace it. I mean, once they're gone, they're gone. The Harriet Tubman House is gone and not coming back. We cannot just idly sit by, not to say that we're not lifting a finger, but we've got to try harder. Because if the infrastructure isn't there in terms of what's important to us mentally, then it's not going to matter if we're there physically. You know, I met um, Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture, years mm -hmm. ago in Washington, really? D.C. Yeah. And um, I've interviewed a lot of people and met mm -hmm. a lot of people. Yeah. He was one of the people that actually caught me with my mouth open. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like he stepped off a poster, sure, right? Mr. Sure. Black Power, you know. Mm -hmm. And so you see him, and I'm talking to him face to face. Yeah. And, and um, so when you see somebody like that, you want to ask something deep. You don't want to seem sure. stupid, right? So I said, well, and this was... 30, 40 years ago, mm. at least 35 years ago. So when I talked to him, I said, what do black people need to do? Because we were going mm. through changes back then, too. Sure. This was before, you know, George Floyd. Sure. But we're still going through changes. He said, organize, organize, organize. Absolutely. He said, I'm an organizational animal. I formed five organizations. Three of them tried to kill me, but we <laughs> still need to organize. And go. if you're talking about organizing, you have to talk about the black church. Absolutely. So there we go. Miss King, Ms. King, family King. Tell me, give me, you guys went to court on Friday. Yes. You guys have been fighting. How did we get here? Yeah, okay, uh, it started two years ago. Mm. And these, in uh, November of, um, I'm sorry, in September 2021, our congregation, 12 people, voted not to sell our church. Mm -hmm. Unanimous vote. We then voted two new trustees, which is myself and another lady. And then we voted for four programs that would be income producing and beneficial to the public. And that $1.7 million offer and agreement that we had specifies the exact same programs. That's they, Dorchester Bay gave us everything we wanted. 
we, they were going to give us $1.7 million to buy the church, and then they were going to develop our programs, which, include, which were, one, a 10,000-job building construction companies, uh, to, uh, 100 building construction minority businesses to increase their businesses to have at least 100 employees so that they would qualify for a state, federal, and city contracts. Mm -hmm. And that business development center would be uh, run by a team called the ABCs, accountants, business managers, communication specialists, and sales and marketing. And those people would run the business and the electrician, the owner of the electrician company, he would just train the electricians. He would just stick to doing his duty and he wouldn't have to worry about qualifying and running the business, the mm -hmm. taxes, the this and that. That's the first program. The second program is to build three or four floors of condominiums that would be 100%, 30% AMI, in other words, low-income people, not affordable because most black pe people cannot afford what we call, what they call affordable. Mm -hmm. I think it's like 60 or 70% AMI, which is average medium income. Mm -hmm. So that uh, we were going to give three floors of condominiums and, uh, and offer them to if they have these jobs uh, the, through these contracts, they would then be able to own those properties mm -hmm. and be able to get high income from the labor jobs. And then they would be homeowners, two mm -hmm. and three bedrooms. Nice. And then when they get their real final finish, their apprenticeships, then they would sell, they would sell, uh, use the equity they have in that. And then we would put another crew of people in those buildings so that we're building home ownership by getting building trade contracts because there's trillion dollars coming, trillion, um, two and a half trillion, two and a half trillion dollars yeah. coming down the pipe. Yeah. So that's two programs. The third program is a model school for failing children to transform them from failing children to successful children. Mm -hmm. And that program has already been approved by the state, but we didn't have enough money to staff it. Mm -hmm. And it would be the, the school would be a model school to be replicated in every school in Boston that has failing children. And the school would be operated by parents and teachers. And oh. then the fourth program mm -hmm. is a black history theater that would be run by um, Haywood Fennell's theater group of Oscar Michelle. Oscar Michelle. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they would, we would give that to them to operate because they know what they're doing. They, that could be their home residence. And we would train performing arts, it would be a performing arts center where we would train other kids or have other shows. But we would have those black history plays 360 days a year and we would market it nationwide so that uh, schools across the nation could plan field trips to come to the theater and they could do tours of black places in Boston and we could uh, market it, that's how we're gonna market it. So that was the four programs that we voted on September 2021. And Brochester Bay gave us all of that in that $1.7 million contract. And so once we get those programs built, then they would profit share with us the money that comes in. And at the end of that, we would be able to buy that building back. Wow. So and then how did it go from there to Friday where you had to use legal action to stay at foreclosure? What happened, uh, September 2021, we had the unanimous vote. The programs were voted in. November 2021, the pastor calls the church lawyers and tells them to find a buyer. Behind our backs, 
And when we found out about it, uh, I was called a liar because we wanted to have a meeting with the pastor. He wouldn't do it. So that was November 2021. Behind our backs, the church lawyers got a, a, a signed purchase and sale agreement with Harvard Community Health Center, and they let and the pastor signed it with his wife and his wife's cousin, and these are not trustees at all, and the clerk. Okay, so they circumvented the actual governing board of the church. Mm. Now, is the church um, Spirit and Truth Church on Boohoo Avenue in Dorchester? Um, is it is that part of an, because it's a Baptist church, is that part of the overall Baptist? It is a renegade Baptist church. They don't <laughs> relate with anybody. Okay? So there's no other governing body other than the, it, the group that's in the church? No, no governing body but the 5013C bylaws oh. and, and whatever the, uh, the uh, incorporation are, are, you know, statements. So what gave him the legal authority to make this sale? He didn't mm -hmm. have it. Oh. And if we had not, I'm going to tell you one thing. For us to keep them from selling that church December 2021 for two years to hold it off mm. was nothing but God. At certain times, it was just me and Trippetta, and we stood on the word of God. If two agree, God's mm. going to be with us. Okay, before you start preaching, <laughs> I can feel it coming on now. <laughs> uh -huh. about to go so, Ms. Trippetta, um, why did you stick so much into mm. this fight? Because... You know, 12 people. Mm -hmm. So first off, okay, so if you think we'll get me to preach into it. First off, you <laughs> the know, two of the Lord. his name and the whole mm -hmm. thing, you know, three strand cords, not easily broken. We could go there, get mm -hmm. in. We could go to all the, right, to all the, where, where God's people stuck together. Mm -hmm. And you have, when you have focused a group of people, for good or for bad, mm -hmm. there's power. Mm -hmm. What was so convincing, because you're a member of the church mm -hmm. and you're assistant clerk. Was there more than just the faith in God? Did you have receipts? Like people say, we got receipts, we have paperwork that shows that this is also a righteous fight. Hmm. Well, um, when I actually came in, I wasn't given the opportunity to become a member under my Christian experience. Um, once he, uh, he, meaning the pastor, Stanley Dees, once he allowed, it was three months later. And um, the reason why I came in under my Christian experience was because, first of all, like we've never had an opportunity to have $1.7 million in the black community that I myself could possibly have touched. And it was an opportunity to build up the community. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is something we can pass to our children's 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 children, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so why would I not? You know, just as I shared with the congregation was like, why, why wouldn't we pull together and, and work together because we can go further together versus being away from one another and just folding and saying, um, it's too hard. I'm just not going to whatever. I'm going to let them take it and do what they want to do. No, like people died and bled and, to keep this land, to have this land. So, so I have a question. This $1.7 million, this money that's going to be from the sale of the church, whose pocket was that going into? Was that going back to the congregation? Yes, it would be a part, it would be a part of the, owner, the, the, the uh, corporation. It's a 501c3. That's what Dorchester Bay. Yes. But I'm saying the sale that the pastor brokered for the building, where was that money going to go? Well, we know for sure that um, they have tried to tie us up in court. They've had to go into seven different courts to stop us. 
okay? And one of the courts, uh, they wanted to challenge our being the board of trustees because the pastor and the group that signed that agreement were not the board of trustees. Okay? But they were going to get paid, though. They, if they had if that deal had gone through, we wouldn't have even known where the money went, okay? Because they oh. never, Pastor D's had not given us uh, a financial report by a CPA or anything else for 10 years. That, that church, when he took over in 2010, there were 250 people, and the name of the church was New Fellowship Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And when they would, pe pe people would not get tithing uh, statements, they would not know anything about what was going on. One uh, CPA who was trying to get, make statements for them, I have an email from him saying, uh, Ms. Perkins, that was the, the chairman of the Board of Trustees at that time, uh, you all have 10 different counts and this bank state, these number of months of bank statements are missing on this one. This number of months of bank statements. I have an email that says that, 2010. And he never was able to complete a financial report. So these people have not had any reports until I got there in 2021. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> well, <laughs> before we get to preaching up in her, we're glad that you're here this mm -hmm. evening. This is on another level. We hope to bring your consciousness mm -hmm. and your sensitivity and awareness of this issue. It's not, it's this church that we're talking about tonight, Spirit mm -hmm. and Truth Church, and I admire the courage of Ms. Pamela King, Mr. Petta mm -hmm. Simmons, and Brother Edwin Sumter, who's always on the case for our people. Hopefully you're on the case too. Don't go anywhere. Here's some more information and what you need to do about this. Stay with us. To understand the role of the black church during the civil rights movement in the 50s, you need to go back about a century. During slavery, the only institution that white racists, the slaveholders, would permit people of African descent to have as their own was the church. The church was the only place where blacks could congregate together in prayer, but they also use that site of faith as a place of gathering resistance, of plotting rebellion. And after the Civil War was over, the church became the only institution where you had a leadership cast, usually of black men, who could authentically represent the interests of the black community because their salaries were paid for by black folk. Thus, the black church in the 1940s and 50s was an institution that had resources, it had a leadership elite of black ministers, and it had the institutional ability to help fund long-term protests that were being waged by working class and low-income people. The black church provided the institutional means for carrying out the campaigns that were waged in the small towns but at the same time, as a historian, it must be noted that the majority of black churches in major cities did not engage in civil disobedience or in the campaigns led by Dr. King and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the Congress of Racial Equality. Most black ministers stood on the sidelines. So if you look at, say, in Montgomery, perhaps 10 to 15 black churches were actively involved in the campaign in 1955-56 to 
end the racial segregation on public buses. In Birmingham in 63, perhaps 25 or 30 out of the more than 200 black churches in the city. But the vast majority of churches, while their members participated to a great extent, the ministers themselves tried to stand on the sidelines. And part of the reason for that is that there was a split in African-American faith communities around the proper role of black ministers in social protest. The Baptists actually divided in 1961 between the National Baptist Convention and the Progressive Baptist Convention, which sided with Dr. King and argued that the role of the black clergy was as social activists in challenging racial segregation and fighting for progressive social change. But the vast majority of black Baptist ministers said that that was not the role of the church. And so there was a tension within the church at a national level. Nevertheless, there would not have been successful civil rights organizations had there not been the financial and the political support of key black denominations. Thank you so much for that excerpt, and thank you for being here with us. We don't have that much time. We're probably going to end up with a part two, and I'll tell you why. Because everything that we're talking about now is in motion. It's happening. Right, Ed? That's absolutely right. Edwin, absolutely. I tell you, you and I, you had this so much passion, I stopped you during the break <laughs> because you were like, and hey, let me tell you. And I was like, wait, 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 don't do that now. So let's go into what you were talking about because yeah. this is, it's an assault. It's an open out assault. And yes. I can remember the black, historic black churches mm -hmm. that were, you mentioned 12 Baptists. Mm -hmm. 12 Baptists, most people don't know that there are black churches that were part of the Underground Railroad. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so in that initial clip, uh, when they were talking about Mount Calvary, and some of these places should have been, should be designated as historic land sites. Absolutely. But what you see across the country is wiping out black people's contribution right. through critical race theory, wiping out our histories as if we don't matter. And when you understand the importance of the black church with black history, you understand that why black people, black history, black churches, there's an overall assault. I mean, right now there's, in the news, um, you know, Israeli and Palestinian, mm. right? And so there have been people, I mean, locally in Massachusetts, three, three young men, Palestinians that Gosh were, shot, yeah. right? But not too long ago during the pandemic, there were a group of white supremacists that came up and that. were on the orange line yeah. beating up people. Tactic, yeah. So Boston mm -hmm. has this reputation. It does. Unfortunately, Michael Shea, so, you know, Saturday Night Live yes, talked about Boston being yep. the most racist place. I don't know if it's the most racist place, but it's up there. And it's unfortunate because there's enough black people here, enough people of color to be able to stop that from happening. That's right. Why do you think this is happening? Is it just gentrification or mm. what is it? In my opinion, it has a lot to do with two things, money and power. Mm. For example, in the piece we saw from the I-Team, that excellent piece, uh, you know, they asked the gentleman, would he sell that church under any circumstances? He gave an emphatic no, which is mm. great, right on. He's going to rebuild it and keep it in the community. But unfortunately, big money is being thrown around, and it's to the point where no matter how much loyalty you have to your church, if you're the one who can pull the trigger on a sale, and you look around and you see your community is like the murder triangle, mm. you see the issues that are going on in the city, it's almost to the point where 
the power and the money have to somehow be funneled into the loyalty to the community, but that is a very tall order but there's for a also, lot of folks. On the next block, there's a weed shop. Yeah, that's where well, a there weed you go. dispensary. There you go. There you go. And and again, it's funny because we talked earlier about some of the changes I've seen here in Boston. The Boston City Council, for example, has more people of color. Well, I mean, we just lost a couple, but at one point last year, before the last election, we had more people of color on the Boston City Council. We've had two women of color who were mayors um, in consecutive terms here in Boston. So on the outside, you'd be able mm -hmm. to say, wow, there's been some changes. We already talked about the Faneuil Hall and the change in name and all that. So on the outside, you see these things happening. But the problem is, if you live in our community, things still seem the same in some way. You know, they just don't seem like there's been enough change in terms of the power in the neighborhoods. That news report also talked about all those violations that these churches had. Let me tell you, it's not just these violations are happening to any churches, but they're being put on the black churches. And that gives them reason to move forward and say, well, you're not upkeeping, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. It makes it easier to come in and foreclose and force a sale. And there was something that um, Sister Pamela talked about with inspectional services, yeah. the ISP, the ISD, that actually had a piece in this situation with Spirit and Truth yeah. Church, right? Exactly. Yeah, can tell you, exactly. Yeah. Not only did we have the $1.7 million offer before they assigned a receiver, the church so-called lawyers told the judge that that 1.7, the Dorchester Bay was not a viable company. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, they are here. They got $12 million. They've been doing housing for X number of years. When the judge decided to, to give the answer, uh, I'm going to believe credible representation of counsel. When they said that we had factions in the church, and I said, no, we voted unanimously for this. I am, you, I'll tell you if you have factions or not. That, I have all this in transcripts. And then when I told her that, when we, that we were in February, that we were going to go for this, these four programs, find funding, she says, well, I think, and this is all in the transcript, I think, Ms. King, that what you're saying is very aspirational but very unrealistic. Wait, wait, wait. Wow. What's the name of this judge? Irene Bagdoian. Who? Irene Bagdoian. People have White trouble woman? speaking it. I have to say it. White good. woman? White woman whose husband is a pastor, so she might have something against members of a church. I don't know. I don't know about all that. We're not going to no. throw shade okay, on that. Gonna, okay. However, I think the other thing that we need to talk about is, and, and Edwin, you and I had talked about the gentrification that's happening yeah. in the black community because of property values. Exactly. Because it, it really comes down to, and we just had, well, I don't call it Thanksgiving because my family has Native American. We got Blackfoot and Cherokee, so I call it Thanksgiving. Mm. the day of mourning for my people. Mm. So we just had that. But the reason why <laughs> Europeans came here was to take land. Right. So that has continued over the past 400 and some odd years. They're still taking land. And then there's governmental policies mm. redlining, there's bank policies redlining. So when you're talking about getting the funding and being able to acquire the land and keep the land. And there's governmental policies of building highways sure. through mm -hmm. prosperous black communities. Mm -hmm. that's right. And that's along with Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black mm -hmm. Wall Street, yeah. Rosewood, and all these black communities during Reconstruction that were prosperous, that were destroyed. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the lynchings 
that happened mm. um, down south and up south. It was usually business owners. It was people that had no longer wanted to be a slave, who were sharecroppers, who were fighting for their money. And those were the people that were assaulted That's right. and murdered, right? It wasn't just random. I mean, it was random black people. But the people and, who were trying to do something. And so when you're talking about reparations and the whole concept of people, descendants of slaves, enslaved people, Africans in this country, who have never never been paid for the labor, the free labor that built this country, the land of the free, <coughs> home of the brave, very, that mm. never, everybody else was compensated. See, now my voice is getting, anyway, let's go back. Let's go back. So when you look at the overall, you can't really take what's happening in this church, in Dorchester, as an isolated incident. That's right. When you look at what's happening through the city, I'm thinking about when Concord Baptist, 12 Baptist, Grant Absolutely. Amy, when all these churches were, powerful historic churches in the South End and the excuses that were used, well, um, there wasn't parking. There's never been parking in the South End. Right. They're jamming up the parking. Right. And so we need to move them out. And then these same churches have been turned into million dollar condominiums. I see that. Mm. And then, well, 12 Baptist is still there. Still there. But also Reverend Michael Haynes was involved in the electorate. So he's very politically astute and he, mm. and it's a historic church. And so periodically, there are famous uh, electoral people na on a national, national basis. So what will happen is you'll see one particular church that gets a shine, and then they're jacking up all the other churches, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you've got to be politically aware. You've got to have the knowledge of banking. You've got to have the political clout of the people. But then we've also seen where there's major, major people in this country. People in this country have no problem thinking about Birmingham, bombing and the four yep. beautiful young girls that got bombed, mm -hmm. that got killed during a bombing. Sure. So this country, and, and at one period, not too long ago, across the country, black churches were burning and being burnt down, right? That's right. So when you're looking at this, does this remind you of like a burning down yeah. of a church, of it, a it, burning it, down it, of an institution? Sure, the big fear is that this is the beginning of, I don't, I'm not going to say the end, but it's the beginning of something nefarious. It's not the beginning, it's a continuation. It, yeah, but it seems mm -hmm. like now it's being amped up because... These, small, these smaller churches that are in these neighborhoods that are being phased out one way or another, foreclosure, receivership, being sold. I mean, if those are gone, and by the way, we also should mention that if you look across the country, even attendance in church isn't what it was, isn't, wasn't, isn't what it used to be. I mean, folks aren't really, they're not going to church in the big droves that they used to go in in the past. So churches, in some sense, are hanging on because the times have changed. There's a generation of young folks who go to church, but not, certainly not when I was a young person. There's other, there's just not a young crowd going. And that's you bringing down the attendance. And that's and, great. And, and, and at 1030 and the 1230 is mostly young and people. And that's, that's, that's what we need to hear because, and it's very important, and I'm let, uh, Trepetta and this King Go, but I do want to mention this about young people because we're sitting here, we're talking about the experience and what we've seen in Boston and with churches throughout our lives. But really, what we're talking about is keeping these churches going for that younger generation. And, and, they, and that's going to happen if they also get involved. So yeah. I'm going to step away on that, Trepetta and Miss King but speak. I but I do want to say, say, if you're a young folk out there and you go to church, you go to Jubilee, or your parents go to church, or you're interested. Now's the time for you to also step into the fray here because these churches need to be saved, not just for us, but for you and That's your right. children and your children's children. Because as I said, if churches are the backbone of the black community, 
then we really need all we can do to keep that backbone intact. But it's not just churches yep. because unless you really know me, you don't know that I was Muslim first. I was a nation of mm. Islam. Right? Camel 4X in Chicago. So, okay. <laughs> so when you're talking about houses of worship. Sure. And, yep. Period. Absolutely. Because, um, and you look at the, all of the civil rights, they all came out of that's right. A house of worship. Yeah, that setting. That setting. Right? Exactly. And that setting. That, that setting. And so whether you go to church or a house of worship or not, the fact that there was organizing yes. in the church, the fact there's money and there's business training in the church, yep. in the churches, in the houses of worship, which are part of the fabric of bringing the community together. Exactly. And the pandemic did some serious damage oh, yeah. to businesses, to the family, to schools, to education, sure. to learning. So, and, and, and so when you're looking at survival, and we're, we're human beings, regardless, black, white, subsliding, flying and gliding, we're human beings and so we're social animals. We're built to be in covenant, we're built to be in community. But if you're breaking down the community, and by the way, the black community is the only demographic that has, that has decreased in Boston. That's right. By over 10,000, everybody yeah. else is increasing. That's right, That's And right. then, you know, Hyde Park um, and Mattapan in that area has the highest percentage of immigrants. So people that are not even, people of color that are, not from this country, mm. not aware of the history of black sure. people in this country. And so when you look at the divide and conquer piece, mm. like every brother is not a brother, we, we got like, mm, not even 10 minutes. And I wanna get to this, every, my father told me, every brother's not a brother, and every sister's not a sister, and all skin folk ain't kin folk. Mm. And so when you look at, in, in that first clip, the pastor looked black, mm. right? And there's members of your church that are people of color. So what is that? do to your faith when it's the pastor that's selling you out? There's what does that do to your faith when someone looks like family and they're part of bringing you down? How does that, and I'm, I'm watching you, Sister Pam, so I want you to go for that, Pamela. Okay, what I want to go for is the people who are causing our people to go against each other. And that's ISD in our case. Our church was that's completely, the that's the city, ISD. But wait, 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 you can't leave Harvard Community Health Center right I'm getting either. ready to bring them oh, in. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, ISD completed, I mean, our church completed all of the repairs. The receiver had a, a Apex Capital that had the money to pay. The repairs were only 100000 Our church was bringing in with cell phone towers and retail space, 200000 a year. And they tried to say we didn't have the money, so they needed to get a receiver. We finished that church, the, the, the uh, ISD, the construction guy, Inspectional services departments for some of y'all that don't know. I'm sorry. They, that church was completely repaired, no public safety problems, and they, that was last year, one year ago, and the tr court transcripts show that they decided not to use our funds from one point, this 1.7, and not to use the Apex Capital, which was giving us $200,000, and all the repairs were $100,000 a year ago, November 2022. In the court transcripts, it states, we want the judge, the lawyers said, and the receiver went along with it. We don't want you to close out. The, the receiver was going to close out the case. ISD was going to sign off of it a year ago. And we have the court transcripts where they said, we want to sell it. And therefore, the title. So who's we the ones to sell the, it? Oh, the, the church pastor's lawyers. Okay. This, this lawyer, this pastor's lawyers told the judge, the one that was contradicting everything that we said and wouldn't allow, let us be a representative. They said in the court transcripts, I have it with me today, we don't want to close it out because we want to sell the church. And if you get the, the, the receiver to 
pay for the repairs, then he can effectuate a loan and then he can turn that loan into a receiver priority lien and foreclose and uh, auction this church off. And I have right here where the judge, they, they approved that December of 2022. This is over a year ago. And, and the judge wrote in the docket sheet, I want, this, I want the receiver to give me a motion to foreclose by February. Okay, so hold on. Sister Chapetta, hey. <laughs> where is the pastor now? Sneaking oh, we, around, he closed the church. We, we, we don't know. We haven't. He hasn't opened the church doors in over a year. And are you guys still meeting? He won't. Not. We have not met in a while now. So you, but you were coming. You were meeting and praying where in somebody's house? Yes. Or somebody? Yeah, we did for a while. We would come to different houses. We actually went out in Canton. We went right down the street off of Blue Hill Avenue. You know, um, just whoever. And we even met sometimes, I think, even at Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. Over just Zoom. to Yeah, Zooms, definitely a lot of Zooms. Um, wherever we could get together and try to, you know, encourage one another and bring the scriptures wow. up and share what we thought, you know, could help us to, um, to, to win over their hearts. Because we actually wow. still stayed and tried to reach out to the actual pastor, the um, Jerome Frazier, which is the building manager, you know, we would call and, and, and ask them, you know, is the church going to be open or are we going to have Bible study? You know, it was a lot of that going on for a while. So where is it now and where, where are, so Friday you guys went to court. Mm. We have a number, if you guys can put up the number for more information uh, for people that want to actually do something about this mm. and keep that number up for a while, please, because we're, we have five minutes left for this show. If you can mm. believe it, I told you it was going to go by really quickly. Yeah. What, and I want to come to you, Sister Trebetta, and then mm. you, Sister Pamela, mm. and then sure. you, Edwin, right. because Edwin's involved in direct action and out there protesting and stuff. I'm too old, man. I'm tired, <laughs> right? No, I just, yet. I just. I learned from you. Is there a, um, a GoFundMe page? Where's the money coming from for the lawyers? Like, what do you need mm. people to do to help you now? Right now, the money is coming from me, and it's horrible. And we have a GoFundMe page, and we need tech support because we can't. We tried. We got it open, but we can't figure out how to transfer the money into oh, a I bank. I help you with that. Okay. We don't now, need to go to somebody on. Okay, but but the <laughs> most important the most important thing right now is we need to look at how Charlie Murphy was the one who they Former brought. state rep, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. He is the one who tried to buy the church in December 2021. Oh, and wait a minute. And he was the director of the Harvard Community Health Center at the time, right? He was the, in 2021. CEO. But at the time, he first tried to buy it in 20. Not him, but Harvard Community Health Center. Yes. Okay. He tried to buy it in, no, the key right now is that our church was completely free of any code violations and ISD kept it open. Wait, wait, don't, don't do that because it's going to get picked ISD up. ISD kept it open mm -hmm. for the purpose and it's in the docket of foreclosing on our church. And it's not just the church. You guys actually own mm -hmm. half of the block, and right? And have cell phone towers. I said we have $200,000 without even counting the tithes. They, they don't even report the tithes in the uh, bank statements that we have. So what do you need people to do now? What we need is for Go our... Go to the GoFundMe page? We need the GoFundMe page to pay for lawyers. Call the mayor, call the inspectional services, call the uh, Boston... Uh, what is it? Boston BPT, BPDA, Boston Planning Development. What do you need people need to do? We need the mayor to mm. reverse that foreclosure. Because even the... No, when I say reverse it, 
in terms of, or either admit to complicity. But mm. what, what right now, that, that um, receiver priority lien was never registered with the um, Suffolk County Registry of Deeds. So has the building been sold yet? I, they signed it on November 17th. Of, the, of 2023, just so now. it just happened. It just happened. But we it can be take... reversed. Oh, so you have a stay of execution right now? No, they have. T we and we are going to. We have a lawyer that we have to who who asked for a stay of execution, mm -hmm. and they ignored it. So now they've got to appeal. So we need more money for an appeal. So you need people to go to the GoFundMe page. Yes. And that if they call that number that's on the screen, they, they, they can get more information, information from you and Sister Trippetta about the next steps. Yes. Because I'm, I'm looking. Mm -hmm. We got two minutes. <laughs> okay. okay. And, and I'd like to know, I'd like you to know that Charlie Murphy tried to buy the place in 2018 and then he left. And when he left, Jerome Frazier didn't want to sell it to uh, the black. But I thought Jerome Frazier was just the building manager. Is he's he part the one. Of the he's the p political operative behind all of this. He's the one that's, that influences the pastor to sell against the, the property, the um, members. He is the one that's the, the political connection yes. with Charlie Murphy, and they had a deal going. Okay. And so that, that was in 2018, <laughs> okay? And, 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 and you heard it here. Okay, <laughs> and I believe that uh, the, part of Jerome's strategy was to fake a building code violation or bring attention to a building code mm. violation. And I believe he went on top of the roof and threw bricks down saying, oh, it's a hazard to the well, public. Wait, then we don't want to be accusing anything if you don't have any proof. <laughs> okay, I watched okay. enough Law and Order now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So no accusations okay. up in okay. here. But okay. however, so, um, and we've got like a minute or yeah. so left. You need people to call this number. Yes. What is the, what is the Facebook, is it a Facebook page or GoFundMe page? GoFundMe. And what is the GoFundMe page? Is it Save Spirit, Spirit and Truth? And... Yes, uh, Spirit, uh, Spirit and Truth, Friends of Spirit and Truth. I, I, I have it, uh, but if they look up Spirit and Truth, Dorchester, Massachusetts, I hope it'll pop up. But it says Spirit and Truth, Friends uh, of go Spirit and Truth. GoFundMe and then yeah. Friends of Spirit and Truth? Yes. And what is the, okay, so you want them to go to the GoFundMe page. You want them to call the mayor. You, I'm, I'm telling you, right? You, you need a pencil and a paper. Mm -hmm. So if you don't remember anything, write this number down. It's like, what did she say we need to do? Because you have to bring visibility to this, mm, yes, right? Yes. And so, have you gotten any um, information from, or any any kind of support from this I team thing that you did in the neighborhood network piece? Or no, we haven't, because we haven't known how to put it on social media. I guess I don't know. Well, but had, there has been no follow up, and this this event where they have sold the church on November seventeenth, we really need money to have that rescinded. Uh, we thought we could get it rescinded uh, on December 1st, but the judge wouldn't even hear. And this is the same judge? Same judge. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't even hear our motion. Can you get her removed? I, I think the most important thing was to get, to get our church foreclosure uh, reversed. And after we get it, maybe, maybe after we get it reversed, then we can do other things. Okay, so <laughs> without being given a 10-minute wrap and the 5-minute, 2-minute, we got to wrap. We got to go. But we got to go do something about this. Because if you don't do it, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Ain't nobody coming to save That's you. Right. Yes, right. I believe in Jesus and all that other stuff. Exactly. But faith without works is dead. Thank you. And so I want to thank you, Sister Pamela King. And I want to thank you, Sister Trevetta Simmons. And I want to thank you, my, my buddy. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, 
you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.